0: Hello there, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Sincerely Strangers. I am your host, Jack, and I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Hillary. Hi. And Morgan. Hi. And we have something a little bit different for you planned today. Now, as we all know, the holidays are coming up. Christmas is just around the corner, and everybody's getting ready to spread holiday cheer and joy wherever they are with their families, if that's possible for you, and we decided to do something that has kind of been phased out of existence after a while, but there used to be a tradition every Christmas of telling scary stories, which seems a little bit weird considering what Christmas is, but believe it or not, it was true. So we decided to have a Nightmare Before Christmas episode where we're going to be going around sharing one of our favorite stories. Scary could be true crime, could be monsters, could be some like A YouTube story from like horror narrators or anything like that of that vein and then after that we will be discussing all things supernatural since we did miss a Halloween episode we will be discussing all things supernatural what we believe in personally and things that we have seen so if anybody else would like to go first or I could go first
1: I think you can start this off Jack
0: okay all right here let me get my (laughs) let me get my narration voice up all right so this one is a story that is supposedly based on true events however i would take that with the heaviest grain of salt and it's called violin hill and this story is essentially about a person moving into a new house with basically nothing else around it because it's a new development And they hear a violin being played on a nearby abandoned lot. And after they see the person playing the violin, strange things start to happen around their house. So, Around two years ago, I finally moved into a brand new house in a brand new building estate in Australia. I was one of the first to have a finished build in the area and was elated to finally gain independence. The first few weeks went by as normal, and during that time, I'd often take walks alone with the dog in the afternoons and roam the surrounding estate area. All the roads around us had been partially completed, and all the other properties were marked out, but no other houses were built, excluding the one that was directly opposite mine. The house looked finished, but there was no driveway laid yet, and from what I could gather, no one lives there. To the left of my house, roughly a few hundred meters away, was a field with a huge hill on it. I later found out that the whole area was council property. Not only was no one allowed to build up there, but for whatever reason, the hill was basically a no-go zone. The council just didn't want people on it for some reason, so the whole area was surrounded by a huge chain-link fence. The only other noticeable feature in the area was a small abandoned farmhouse with a shed a few kilometers down the road. I knew nothing about it and often went walking there with the dog as it gave me something mild to explore among the vast nothingness I was living around. The entire place was dilapidated and completely uninhabitable, but it was interesting nonetheless. About a month or two after moving in, I awoke one morning to the sound of a violin. It sounded extremely distant and quite haunting. I actually enjoyed it and assumed that the neighbors opposite me had finally moved in. Excited that I finally had some people to talk to, I peeked out the curtain and saw the house opposite mine was still as vacant as it ever was. I got dressed, but by the time I managed to look outside, the violin had stopped. This happened roughly every second day for the next week the violin would wake me up and that just disappear after about 45 seconds i'd ignored it to the point where my curiosity simply got the better of me and the next morning when i heard the violin playing i immediately jumped out of bed threw on my dressing gown and shot out the front door i scoured the early morning surroundings and there up on the hill was a figure playing a violin it was barely light but the person looked very tall from the distance i was at and as they were playing was doing what could only be described as a waltz type walk, spinning slowly around in a circle as they played. I took my eyes off the person and walked over to pick up the morning paper. And in the 10 seconds that took me, I heard the violin stop. When I looked up, I noticed the figure was no longer playing or dancing, but was now standing still and most likely looking in my direction. It was so dark, I couldn't make out anymore. And we both just stood there for half a minute, not moving before the creeps got the better of me and I went back inside. After that morning, things started happening. On my walks, I began to notice footprints on the surrounding properties that weren't made by me and that I'd never seen before, which I just assumed were from people walking up from the other housing areas down the road. I never awoke to the violin, but I swore I could hear someone walking on the street next to my bedroom window in the early mornings. However, I never saw anything. Other really general things as well, like random tools such as spades and rakes laying around the area, which I guess were left there by construction crews none of which i ever saw i started getting calls at work that would immediately hang up on me and i also stopped walking to the abandoned farmhouse as the experience with the violin player had me a little shaken one night as i was heading to bed i turned off the television in the living room and again could hear the faint sound of a violin playing however it sounded more muffled than rehearsed i froze and a cold chill flowed through me instantaneously Considering that it was about midnight and not the usual time I'd hear playing, I went to a front window and peeked out to see that there was a light in the house opposite mine. It was clearly a candle, as I could see the dim light flicker in the empty window, and the music sounded like it was coming from an old record player. But in the ten seconds I watched, I never saw any movement inside the house. I moved away from the window, sufficiently freaked out, and after another five minutes, I heard the music abruptly stop. I peeked out again to notice the light was now out. I never saw anyone. I began to become unsettled in the house and would often invite friends over to hang out until late but of course nothing would ever happen when someone else was with me. I never bothered to tell any of my friends as without Evans I figured they'd just give me grief about it. I'd just become more agitated but nothing compared to what happened next. In my living area the desk sits right next to a small window which looks out to the fence surrounding my property. The steel fence is literally an arm's length away from that house and about six feet tall so I always figured that Unlike most of the other windows, I'd never need to cover this one with a sheet or blanket because no one could ever see in. I usually had headphones on when I played and I always had the lights off for no other reason than I preferred to play games in the dark. One night when I was gaming, I got up and walked into the dark kitchen and got a beer out of the fridge. It was dead silent, excluding the faint sound coming out of my headphones. As I closed the fridge and turned around to face the desk, I saw directly out the window two very, very faint lights I didn't even catch on and immediately started walking back to the desk, fixated on the small glowing balls. And it wasn't until I had my nose almost pressed against the glass that I realized the two lights weren't lights at all. They were eyes. A set of eyes sitting just above the fence line, staring wide open at me. They didn't blink, they didn't move. My entire body locked up. All I could do was simply stare back as my brain was still comprehending that there was an actual person looking at me in the scariest way I could possibly even imagine. I don't know what happened. Either my head kicked into gear or my muscles loosened, but my body automatically collapsed and I fell to the floor, scurrying away against the wall to hide away from the window. I could hear my heart beating through the carpet like a drum as I tried to lay as flat as possible. And as my mind was still processing the sheer severity of the situation, a violin started playing that damn violin and the haunting tune it always emitted starting up, except this time it was directly outside my window and much louder than I'd ever heard it before. The lights were still off and I wanted to get up to turn off the PC screen so I couldn't be seen, but my whole body just wasn't ready to cooperate. Not only was the sound of the instrument extraordinarily loud, but it sounded like it had been played with frustration, notes being missed frequently and the strings screeching. The pace of it was getting faster and faster And by this time, my dog Jeb out in the backyard had picked up on the situation and registering an unfamiliar sound, gave one solitary deep bark. The violin instantly stopped and the house was finally dead silent, excluding my headphones, which I could hear quietly working away. I was still frozen to the carpet and it wasn't until Jeb gave a second menacing bark that I heard the figure outside my window start to walk away in the direction of my yard. Once that first foot's tip hit the ground, I instantly thought of the welfare of my best friend, and finally, my head connected with my extremities, and my entire body kicked into overdrive. I left from the ground and slid across the laminated floor to the back door, where Jeb was standing, staring into the backyard. I ducked to keep low and quietly unlocked and slid open the door. Usually doing so would notify Jeb that he was allowed inside, but when the door opened, he didn't move an inch and was completely fixated on the pitch black backyard. Everything told me not to go outside, but there was no chance that anything, anything happened to my dog, and I moved out onto the alfresco, moved behind Jeb, put my hand under his collar, and attempted to back him toward the house. Jeb is a pure Labrador and weighs like a sack of sand, so when he doesn't want to move, it takes a sheer force to pull him in the direction you want him to go, and right now, Jeb wasn't going anywhere. I yanked at his scruff, and as I did, he emitted a bark like I he never heard before a deep bellowing screw off sound that elevated my nerves to an all time high. We both just stood there waiting for some form of reply. And I couldn't remember how long we both just froze there. But eventually I heard footsteps from around the side of the house and began to walk away. But not a simple walk, almost like whoever was doing it was slowly dancing in a circle, footsteps keeping to a beat as they drifted away from the house into the distance. Once I couldn't hear anything, Jeb licked his lips, gave me a look and wandered back inside. I followed, locked the door behind me and spent the night reverting to my childlike self, hiding under my bed covers with my dog. I didn't sleep a wink. That was the last time I ever saw or heard the violin player. The following morning when the sun finally came up, I called them to work sick and called the police. They scoured the lot next to mine and found footprints in the dirt. However, there were so many that it was impossible to tell whose were whose. The only description I could give to the officer was his height. He would have had to be over six foot to stare over that fence at me, but they explained that he could have been standing on something or on his toes. They also told me that they've never received a report of anyone playing a violin in the area or anyone being in that fenced off hill either. I essentially looked like an insane person, but the officers were very nice about the whole thing and offered to patrol the area for the next few nights, which helped put my mind at ease. Nothing else has happened since then. Over the next year or two, people finally started moving in and I tell them all the story about the figure I saw, some of which still use it to keep their children in line, which I found funny. One guy nicknamed the council lot Violin Hill, and the name has stuck around our streets since then. I even spent a period of time scouring the depths of the internet for that violin tune I kept hearing, but could never find it. There were a few classical pieces that seemed reminiscent, but I've since thought that whatever tune was played must have been self-composed, which creeps me out even more. I'm still in the house. I still tell the story, and I haven't changed my routine one bit, which has really helped me to block out the fear of the experience. I game with the blinds closed now. The end.
2: Oh, oh God!
1: Would you still stay in the house if, like, that happened to you? Like, wouldn't you just move away?
0: that sounds like the coolest story ever are you kidding i would tell that to literally everybody i know Hell obviously no. oh i'm God. saying that you never came back so like
3: well, whatever. okay but, but what know. i don't what i don't get with those stories is that like why don't you just call the police immediately why do they wait and they're just like it's fine call the police
0: i mean what, what is there to call the police about what? What are they? What do you? What is there to call the no, police? No, like about, about it's somebody like, not on your property.
3: Okay, but he 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 called the police in the morning. Why didn't he call the police that night?
2: <laughs> it's so weird. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what he do so that situation? He went to bed with his dog.
3: There's someone in my house. Like the.
0: There's someone outside that's gone. Like I don't know. Yeah, and then he calls me in, in the morning
3: would... last night. There was a guy who just came to my house, and I decided to sleep it off and then call. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan is like, <laughs> great. I just don't get it. I don't know, man. I always get, like, so frustrated. Because I I listen to a lot of scary stories, and it, and it it's always, like, there's always the person who's just like... <gasps> oh, the police don't need to know. And then like last minute they decide to call and I'm like, well, now like all the evidence is gone. So thank you.
0: People are stupider than you think, Morgan. People <laughs> are stupider than you would think. <laughs> Looking right now, you're like, oh, just call the police immediately. But like, if you're in that situation, you might be like, oh, I need to sleep. I cannot be here anymore. Please take me away from this. And just like, goshly, I don't know no perhaps i don't know i'd be too All scared
3: right. just... you know <laughs> exactly, I... exactly someone was just dancing around my yard playing the violin terrorizing me for a long period of time and he shows up and i just took my dog and went have to... so i
1: would be terrified to take sleep yeah i wouldn't be able to sleep but you know what that part of him like not leaving his dog in the backyard that was cute i was like <laughs> yes yes that was the part that evoked mo- the most emotion in me. Okay.
0: I figured it would. I figured it would.
2: <laughs> yeah. That was.
0: All right. So that was mine. It kind of gives the general vibe. All right. So, who wants to go next? Hillary, you want to go next?
1: Okay. Okay. Oh, I'm excited. But, as a fair warning, this is um, I chose a true crime story from Hong Kong in the 1980s and it does contain some gore so if you're you get uncomfortable with that and we definitely don't want to make anyone uncomfortable on this show feel free to skip this story
0: We okay. will include in the YouTube description a timestamp past this story so you can listen to the rest of it Yeah so I'll probably do it that.
1: afterwards on Right so for those of you who are listening on Spotify insert voice over here Hi guys, this is your trigger warning for the upcoming story. It may contain some gore and violence for people who are uncomfortable with it. So if you would not like to listen to the story, um, please kindly skip to 2551. Thank you. <laughs> <Great. laughs> Alright, All right, now that that's done. I need a... Okay, okay. I don't know why I'm so nervous. It's not like I'm giving a presentation. Okay. So this case has been dubbed the Braemar Hill Double Murders, and it's, one of, it's known as one of Hong Kong's top 10 most gruesome murders to date. On the morning of April 21st, 1985, a drugger by the name of Mr. Lin was taking his daily run past the Braemar Mountain Service Reservoir when he noticed a boy in jeans laying on the grass on a steep slope. He found the scene to be peculiar at first, but disregarded it and continued ru- running up the hill. After about an hour, Mr. Lin was heading back down the hill and notices that the boy's body had not moved at all and walks toward the boy. Mr. Lin shockingly notices that the boy's hands were tied behind his back and at a distance tries to call out to the boy, checking to see if he's okay. There was no response. He tries to inch closer and notices that the boy is a foreigner. When he moved closer, he could now see the horrifying state the body was in. The boy's eyes were half open, his tongue was stretched out and his face was beaten so badly and covered in blood that it was nearly unrecognizable. At the realization that the boy was already dead, Mr. Lin screamed and ran frantically downhill and called the police from a telephone in a small shop. The police immediately rushed to Braymar Hill, which was a nice neighborhood and home to many foreigners. With the help of Mr. Lin, the boy's body was quickly located. Following an autopsy, the boy's cause of death would be determined to be by strangulation. According to the autopsy, the boy was beaten by a wooden stick at least 100 times and the beatings must have lasted for at least 30 minutes before his death. The boy was strangled by his bandage that was his arm sling for his fractured collarbone. The boy was beaten so severely that his healing collarbone had been refractured, and internal organs were injured. The autopsy reported that there had to be at least two people responsible for the boy's death, but based on the chaotic footprints found on the scene, the police ruled the number to be around three. The boy was later identified to be 17-year-old Kenneth McBride by his collarbone fracture and calls the police had received the night prior to the discovery of the body, stating that Kenneth was missing. Kenneth had reportedly gone out with his girlfriend, 18-year-old Nicola Myers to Braemar Hill um, on a walk. So the so the police continued searching around Braemar Hill for Nicola. And two to 300 meters away, there was Nicole's body lying lifelessly in the grass. Nicole's body was found half naked, torn up with more than 500 injuries, a shattered jaw and an empty eye socket with the eye nowhere to be found. I will not be going into detail about the circumstances of Nicole's death because it definitely may be too uncomfortable for some listeners, but it is worth mentioning that Nicole was tortured for two more hours after her boyfriend's death and was alive when the killers left left the scene. Due to the extremely brutal nature of the crime and the fact that two Westerners were the victims, the Royal Hong Kong Police Force spent an enormous amount of resources in trying to solve this case. And keep in mind, in 1985, Hong Kong was still under British rule, so having foreigners killed was a really big deal to the police. The case immediately became the most talked about topic in Hong Kong. It was rare for foreigners to be attacked, much less on Braemar Hill. The police gathered over 800 officers to work on this case and interviewed nearly 10,000 locals to attempt to gather any evidence they could find. Forensic evidence found on the scene of the murder was inconclusive as forensic science had not been a highly developed subject at the time. The fluids on the victim's bodies and textbooks and the fingerprints on the wooden sticks believed to be the weapons of the killers were of no use at all. Even after tremendous efforts of the police, no useful tips or evidence was gathered to help further the investigation. Many police officers thought that the motive for the murders must have been a personal vendetta for the crime to be so horrendous, although the victim's belongings were missing from the scene. An interesting police statement taken from an elderly woman was, however, given some interesting attention after this matter. An elderly man had called the police to report that his wife had been acting weird which he thought was because of the murders of Kenneth and Nicola. The elderly man reported that his wife, who has never known English, had been saying phrases in English after seeing news reports of the murders. The police immediately went to their home, and upon entering, the elderly woman grabbed an officer and stood up, stating in perfect English and a different voice, Please, help me. This immediately freaked the police officers out, and they had a psychologist conduct hypnosis on the elderly woman to see what they could find. The elderly woman started speaking fluent English in a voice that was not her own and started to plead with the officers to find the killers for her. Although her statement didn't help the police in their investigation, many believed that Nicola's ghost was trying to communicate with the officers to help convict the killers. The investigation went on for about half a month and police were under tremendous pressure to catch the culprits the police issued out $50,000 as a Hong Kong dollars as a reward for anyone with clues or anything that could help the investigation. A hotline was also provided for citizens to provide clues and the police investigated an additional 20,000 locals for uh, information with no success. After six months, Kenneth and Nicole's parents both transported their bodies back to Britain for bur- burial. Ken's father, a senior employee of a British company in Hong Kong, was highly regarded by the boss as a hard worker and an expert in what he does. And as a result, the company offered 550,000 Hong Kong dollars as a reward for anyone who had any tips for the police to convince Kenneth's dad to stay in Hong Kong and not resign from the company. A few days after the reward was issued, the Organized Crime and Triad Investigation Division received a call from a small leader in the gang, Fu Yixing. The leader reported that a member of his gang, 24-year-old Pang Seng-Yi, had been boasting about killing a foreigner. Pang had also been boasting about the Nike shoes he took from his victim, which were high-end shoes that would have cost him a month's worth of a salary. On November 27, 1985, Pang Seng-Yi had finally been identified as, as the murderer of Kenneth McBride and Nicola Myers. Police searched Peng's home and found Kenneth's sneakers and also found out that Peng had tried to sell a gold watch a few months ago, which was also def- identified as Kenneth's. Peng denied any involvement in the murders at first, but after being presented with the evidence, admitted it being related to the case, but denied being the leader of the murders. Peng also named the four other boys that were with him on the day of the murder. 20-year-old Tem Foon. 25-year-old two white man, 17-year-old Cheng Yao Hang, and 16-year-old Wan Sung Lum. They arrested all four of the boys in the same day. None of the five people admitted to being the one to start the murder. So the police turned to the minors. The police told 16-year-old Wan that they would be convicted based on the evidence, even if they denied it, and offered the possibility of leniency in law because he was a minor. Juan pleaded guilty to the crime and told the police what had happened on the afternoon of April 20th, 1985. Juan stated that the group had headed to Braemar Hill to follow Pang to steal some copper wires from a government aerial station to sell for money. They were unsuccessful in stealing, and when they were heading back down, Pang spotted Kenneth and Nicola sitting on the grass with some textbooks. Pang decided to rob the couple, and everyone agreed with him. Once Pang had robbed the two, he started to make snarky remarks at Nicola, provoking Kenneth. Pang had tried to grab Nicola and drag her away, but Kenneth and Nicola started to resist, angering Pang. Juan states that Pang was the one who ordered them to tie the couple up and beat them, and that killing them was also Pang's idea. Juan said that Pang threatened to beat anyone who wouldn't kill the couple, and this confirmed the five to be the murderers of Nicola and Kenneth. In 1987, Pang San Yi, Tam Si Fun, and two women were ruled as guilty on two accounts of murder and sentenced to the death penalty. However, the death penalty had not been executed in Hong Kong since the 1970s. And in 1992, the governor and the executive council pardoned the death sentences and changed the sentence to a life sentence in prison. In 2009, Pang Sun Yi passed away in, in prison of cancer. Because Xiongyao Hang and Wan Lung were minors at the time of the murder, the judge was not legally allowed to sentence them to, de- to the death penalty. So they were sentenced to be detained at Her, Majesty's, at Her Majesty's pleasure. In 1997, Hong Kong was returned from British rule back to China, and with that, the laws had changed. A true sentence for the minors may take another 15 years, putting the families of the minors in great distress. But a survive- surprising letter arrived from the UK in 1998. The letter was written by Ken's parents, stating that they had forgiven the two minors and that they had hoped to try, to have them tried as soon as possible. They especially pleaded for Wan to be given a lighter su- sentence because he was the only one who pleaded guilty. Yao Yahang was sentenced to 35 years in prison and Wan was sentenced to 27 years with vacation detections. As a result, Zhang was relief- released from prison in September of 2008 and one was released in September of 2004. That's the...
2: Wow.
0: Huh. else
1: is still in prison.
0: Hmm. Isn't, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't At Her Majesty's Pleasure a thing in the UK where like it, they're basically just held until the Queen herself says yeah. otherwise?
1: Yeah, you, basically. You're just
0: locked up for a day.
1: Yeah, because they didn't know how to rule them because they were minors at the time. So... The judge just said oh at her majesty's pleasure and then that just basically put the families of the minors really worried because they like didn't know like what was happening is this does this mean a life sentence is this what but they got released and they're living normal lives after that
3: in 2004
1: yeah so when um, when we were all
3: born mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm
1: And I think Juan was 32 when he was released. 30 something. I don't really remember. But, and then I was watching some of the news stories that came out at that time. Um, they had interviewed Juan about the forgiveness of Ken's parents. And even he said he was like really surprised and that he really regretted what had happened. So,
2: yeah
3: wow I really like criminal stories Hmm? I really like criminal stories Mm -hmm. they probably scare me the most
1: and this was in 1985 right so I think my dad was still in Hong Kong at that time it's just uh, kind of bizarre to think about wow (sighs) I think the thing that surprised me the most was like Kenneth's parents forgiving him they still wouldn't meet him but it was kind of just like we forgive and this is in the past and like we have no point to hold on to any more anger yeah
2: okay.
0: yeah i mean i mean he was like he was 16 at the time right like 16 yeah, 16? yeah. Mm-hmm. i mean and he was i remember you said something about was he in with the triads or was he just like a local like kid that was with somebody who was with the triads
1: so I read that the three older ones who weren't minors were part of the triad, but the two minors weren't, and they had just been, like, picked up along the way by the three. Oh,
0: yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, so, because, yeah. I mean, it's still horrific, but, like, he was 16 being, like, almost, like, he's being pressured by these older adults who were all, you know, Mm-hmm. In with the triad, so he was I don't know him. if I would forgive him, but yeah. yeah, I don't know if I, I, I don't know if I would do that. I don't mm-hmm. think I would, but that's just me. Like,
2: yeah. yeah,
1: I think reading about like true crime stories, I've seen a lot of instances of like the parents forgiving the killers. I and it at first I didn't understand how they could, because I was really angry, right, that the victims were 17 and 18, those are, like, prime times, they were happy, and they got their lives taken away from them in a really horrific manner, right, yeah, I think at one point, when the families think back on the, on their children, it's definitely still saddening, but the anger that's there has already kind of been dispersed. And they have to move on. Yeah. And it really also, respect. it wasn't
0: like they were meeting him and like shaking his hand or anything. Exactly. they just like, whatever, we don't have any anger anymore. I
1: really respect
2: that. It was, huh.
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, it makes sense.
1: This is a definitely a shortened version of the story. So. Hi, guys, this is your second trigger warning. The upcoming story by Morgan may contain some triggers for suicide, sexual assault, and also general violence and core so if you would not like to listen to the story please kindly skip to one hour and 13 minutes and eight seconds and then it'll cut straight to our discussion
3: thank you
0: all right then we have one more uh from morgan what you got for us
3: okay so my story is based off of a fiction horror book um so i'm gonna just like make it short but I didn't actually read this book. I just saw like I was like on YouTube looking at like what listening to like people read scary stuff and then she, and then there was like this girl who was like, you know, wrapping up the book. And it was like a really, really long thing, but I'm gonna make it shorter. But like I thought it was really cool. So it's supposed to, it was written like it was a true story. So like it's supposed to be like kinda you're supposed to read it and like think it's a true story, but it is it is fiction. Just in case I was scared. And I she changed the ending and then I'm gonna go I'm actually gonna change that ending as well I didn't like any of the endings I thought they were stupid <laughs> so uh, I'm gonna change it's, the ending it's also, like I customized forgot a, yeah it's a customized story um, <laughs> and one of the I didn't remember all the names so I'm gonna make up some names too so anyway so it, the, the book was called The Patient and so I'll just start off with that so it's about a man who decided to become a psychiatrist, and he decided to become a psychiatrist because his mom was in a state-funded mental mental institution, and the state-funded mental institution was really run down, bad budget, overbooked, trashy, and he wanted to, like, he wanted to be a part of a state-funded mental institution and help people who needed help that couldn't get it because they had bad doctors, bad nurses, and the backstory of his mom one day he was just you know asleep and his dad walked in on his mom in the kitchen because his dad was hearing things in the kitchen so his dad walked down to go check on the mom and saw that she had a kitchen like a steak knife and was carving into her arm and like ripping it apart and she turned to the husband and he was like Like, honey, are you all right? And she was like, The maggots have implanted voices into my ear. And the only way to get them and and the screaming out is through my blood and my veins. So I'm trying to get the maggots out. Oh. So he was like, Let's take her to a mental institution now. So he took her to a mental institution and they. You know, kept her hold, held there. And, he, and And at the time, the boy was 10. And I'm going to call him Parker. He was 10. And, you know, the dad was like, oh, she's just visiting her, her, her mom. Oh, she's just on a girl's day. Like, that's why she's gone. And finally, he was like, you got to tell me what's going on Where's my mom. Okay, she's gone. you know, not me the truth. So finally, he was like, fine, I'm going to take you to your mom. He didn't tell him where his mom was. He just grabbed his little arm, shoved him in the car, and drove off to the mental asylum. Asylum. And so you know, they pull up, and he's like, "What? What f- is this place? Okay, like what? It's nasty." So they walk in, and it's like there are patients walking around, like looking at each other, and like, and the nurses looked all mad and angry, and it looked like the nurse, and then like it looked like these nurses were like gonna make your case worse you know like it was just a bad place so the dad decided to stay outside and let the son meet his mom in a room in a visiting room so the son went into the room where the mom was and he immediately was like a whiff of the smell and the smell was just urine and blood and it was disgusting Okay so he's looking around he's confused because he's like my mom's not here and then he looked over into the corner and there was his mom all curled up in the corner and she had a makeshift like shiv and she was once again like carving out her arm and ripping it apart and then like grabbing at it and at the cuts in the blood and and then she looks over and she notices the boy but she registered that it was her son and she looked at him and she was like parker come help mommy get the maggots out and then he was terrified and he looked at his mom he was like that's not my mom you know there's something wrong with her And, and immediately you know he's like he's like this is not my mom and then she's she registers that that he's looking scared and so you know he's injured herself so she starts like crawling towards him and singing at him because she wants to comfort her her son so she's crawling towards him like parker it's okay like do you need a hug um and starts singing at him and he's terrified so he runs out of the room and immediately he's like that was not my mom. She needs help. No one's helping her. I need to become a psychiatrist so I can help people like my mom and people who aren't getting the help they need because of unfunded state institutions. What a smart 10-year-old. So they leave and his mom passed away. Um, So he never got to help like his mom or anything, but... Um, he went on to Ivy League schools, becoming a psychiatrist. He was like high-end, smart, psychiatrist-type stuff, you know. And he had a fiancé named Jocelyn, who was also getting a doctorate in something. I don't remember. But she was a smart little lady, too, you know, getting her Ph.D. So after he gets his stuff, he decides to apply for a state institution um, in Connecticut. And so he goes to that state institution and then all of his friends are like, why would you do that? Like, that's nasty. I'm gonna get you to a real hospital because you're about to have some hellish working. Okay, like you need to go to a real hospital. This is gonna be crap. You're an Ivy League psychiatrist, go to a real hospital. I can get you in. And he was like, no. So he went to the state instituted hospital. And he walks in and immediately it's the same type of thing. It wasn't too bad, you know? It wasn't as bad as as his mother's. But he was like, you know? So it wasn't as bad as his mom's. But, you know, it was pretty, it was like, eh, but that's okay. Um, So he, you know, everyone's really, everyone ends up really liking him because, you know, he's Mr. Prodigy, okay? He's just killing it up in this institution. But... So he starts to hear some stories about this patient named joe so some backstory on joe joe has been in the mental asylum for over two decades and he got there when he was six years old and he's never been diagnosed you know he doesn't have any doctors anymore he can't have any roommates no one talks to him only one nurse talks to him her name is nessie and she goes to give him his medicine I think every Friday night, maybe every day, every night, but it might be, it might just be every week. I don't know. I didn't read it anyway. So, you know, no one's allowed to talk to Joe. He's not allowed to be assigned doctors or anything. Um, apparently it is because every doctor he's ever had ended up killing themselves. Yeah. So. Obviously, they're finally, they're like, you know what? We can't diagnose him. We cannot cure him. We just need to sedate him. And that's all that can happen. Joe came into the hospital at six because he was having night terrors. Really, really bad night terrors. So I'll go a little bit into the backstory of how Joe got in before we get to more deep in the story so joe gets there with six the parents take him in feel like he's having horrible night terrors he is screaming all night all night we do not know what to do there's something wrong and so he you know is brought into the room with, with a doctor and starts having a little therapy session and the doctor's like okay so what is it like what are you seeing with this whole night terror thing and he was like well it's a giant monster i'm in bed it's just a giant monster above me staring at me and it's like the head of like a worm with a million eyes like a fly and the body of a spider and then immediately the doctor's like okay so this this little boy is terrified of bugs he has a phobia of bugs and it's starting to come out and he's getting night terrors from it it's all in his mind so he ends up telling the kid giving this kid some um how do you say it said i don't know he gives him some sedatives Sedatives? okay guys yeah um so he gives the kid some uh, sedatives um and says you know it's all your imagination this is what's wrong it's gonna be okay you just need to like stand up to this monster okay like there is there's nothing wrong so they send the boy home with the parents and then um, you know he takes his little sleeping pills and he goes to bed and the parents hear something in the night it's like a little scream and after that, it's silent completely mm-hmm. and the parents are like you know oh he's probably standing up to the monster you know he's standing <laughs> up to it because on the way home the kid was like mom Dad, guess what? It's all in my head. Must be gonna come out and get told to get out. You're fake. You know, so like, yeah, he's like, he's like, the doctor solved it. I know what to do. And he's all happy. And the parents are like, hell yeah, kid, you are okay. So then uh oh, the parents wake up in the morning and open the door. And you know what they see? Blood everywhere everywhere and the kid is just sitting there like with blood all over his arms torn up and they're like we're bringing you back (laughs) you are ill so they bring the kid back (laughs) they bring the kid back and they're like what and then bring him into a room after like of course fixing his little wounds um and then he's like well i stood up to the monster and I didn't want to see it anymore, so I laid in bed and I covered my face like this. I was covering my face to hide from the monster. And then the spider claws ripped my arms apart and held open my eyelids to stare at it for the rest of the night. And they were like, we're admitting you. Whoa. Um, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, that's why I have cuts over my arms because it had like ripped my arm off Mm -hmm. of my face and like held my eyelids open to stare. So they admitted him and he went to bed that night, you know, in the mental institution. And he never went back home because he was admitted for the 20 plus years. And the next morning, Joe wakes up and he's a completely different kid. Like, he won't speak. He's a mute now. And, you know, nurses will come to try to talk to him. And he just hisses and clicks at them. He's like, you know, he's just clicking and hissing at the nurses. And he won't speak.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then he's, like, starting to get violent and, like, try to hit them. And there was a nurse who had a surgery on her shin. And, you know, he was trying his best to kick at her shin to injure her mm-hmm. surgery. That was healing. And then finally, a nurse just picked him up and plopped them on the table. And he was, she was like, you've been a naughty boy. You can't be a naughty boy. And then suddenly, he's a naughty boy. You know, he took that. And he was like, I am a bad person now. She told me I was bad. Now I'm a bad person. So he has the violent tendencies now. And he starts attacking people later. So Parker, you know, is going into the hospital, hearing all these stories about Joe about how he came in when he was six and you know all this and no one talks about him no one's allowed to talk about him you can't even mention his name without people being like shut up you do not know what you're saying stop talking he's dangerous he's so dangerous he's at the end of the hall where no patients are around locked in his room all day he can't be around other patients because he's so dangerous but he is just like you know short skinny like five six he's pretty skinny you know, he can't hurt anyone, but, you know, they say, they tend to say that his madness, he transfers some of his madness onto you if you're around him for too long. So Joe is getting more and more interested in this and he's like, I can cure everything. He has this like cure all, he's got a little gall complex, okay? He's like, very like, I can do everything. I will heal the world. A lot of the characters
0: you seem to like do have God complexes of fixing the world.
3: (laughs) Shut up, Jack. Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, he's just very like, you know, he's like a young doctor. He's doing this to help his mom. He He wants to change things. He wants to change the world. He wants to help. He wants to diagnose Joe, cure him, and get him out of this asylum. Make sure he's like a respectable person. Help him. Because he needs it. So there's, you know, the main senior nurse, Nessie. She's the only person who interacts with Joe. And he's like, you know, Nessie's like a pretty harsh person. Even the doctors respect her, come to her for advice. You know, she knows what she's talking about, she's not any ordinary nurse. So, mm-hmm. you know, Nessie one day, apparently like she would braid her hair. Really tight if she was in a bad mood. And the looser it is, the better mood she's in. And she had a really loose braid and she was eating a salad at a desk. And he waddles up to Nancy. He's like, Hey, Nancy, what's up? And she's like, Hello, Mr. Prodigy, take a seat. And he's like, Hi, what is popping? And she's like, Oh, you know, she's just talking. And he's like, You know, I was just thinking, like, I had this like crazy idea. I was just thinking, What if I? become Joe's doctor and she's like you know she went from like "Ah," to like anger like she was so mad and he was shocked because you know she's normally kind of mad but this was the most mad he's ever seen her ever Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and she was like shut up you don't know what you're talking about don't you ever mention that name to me you're so ignorant and naive how dare you Mr. like ego you just came in here and you want to take on our like artist patient, you think you're all that. He is not allowed to have any doctors. You cannot have him.
1: Whats she so angry for?
3: Yeah, and she was like, "You don't understand. I have to go in and give him this medicine. Every, those 30 minutes I take to give him his medicine, every time I leave that room, I want to admit myself at the patient here immediately, just so I don't have to give him his medicine anymore. Oh Yes. Nice so he's like even more interested now he's like what the like what is happening like what is so wrong with him so he sneaks down into the records room signs in and starts looking at joe's records so little spoiler there's the the top doctor her name's rose and he's like the director Mm
2: -hmm.
3: and she took away most of joe's files and hid them in her office and put just like a little sliver of like some bad stuff about his thing. Because like new doctors would always get interested in Joe. Read the file. See how crazy it is. Get scared and decide not to take him on. But not Parker. He read this file and he was like. This is the patient for me. I'm going to take him on. I am elite. And so Classic here's a, main character energy. Uh, for real. So here's the rest of Joe's story. So we leave off. You know with Joe about. How he, you know, you know, turned crazy, like all crazy, nah, you know, mad. So the next couple years, you know, he wasn't allowed patients, not patients, wasn't allowed to have like roommates and stuff, because like it would get pretty bad. You know, the roommates they'd always go kind of crazy. He was not allowed to have any roommates, and there was not a lot of files and notes during that time of like when he was 10 when he was six to 10 and so they gave him his own room and then finally you know budget cuts happen when he's 10 so because like before that you know there are ivy League doctors at this hospital the budget is great it's a nice hospital the budget cut happened budget cuts happen when he's 10 and they're like you know what we need to give him a roommate we don't have any more money for this so so you know Parker's just reading this in this file, by the way. So when he's 10, he gets put in a room with this really buff, really buff man, an adult buff man with violent and sadistic tendencies. He loved to see people in pain. And they put him with Parker, the 10-year-old who had a tendency to try to push people's buttons. Joe talked to a doctor, and the doctor was trying to get to the bottom of things. And you know what the doc- like what he said to the doctor? He was like, he was like, I don't want to talk to you. And the doctor was like, why? He was like, I don't talk to drunks. And the doctor was like, huh? And the kid was like, I don't talk to drunks. And the doctor was so confused. Like, how did he know that I was an alcoholic for so many years. Like, he had been sober for two years, but he had been an alcoholic all that time. Like, how did the kid know that? And immediately the doctor was like, I need to give this kid to someone else because I've never thought of taking a drink since I met this kid. Like, that stressed me out, and now I want to go back to drinking. So they ended up moving him on to another doctor. So obviously, this kid really knows how to push buttons, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So they put him in a... And a roommate with a sadistic, violent, buff man. And you know what? Suddenly, like, the next morning, I can't remember if, like, the nurses hear screaming. I think they hear screaming. Um, they go into the room and they see Joe, little 10-year-old Joe, beaten to a pulp on the ground. No. So, and then, you know, obviously they're like, okay, we need to switch roommates. So, they switched roommates, 10 year old Joe and a little six year old boy who had PTSD because his dad was sexually assaulting him. So, he had extreme PTSD. So, they thought it would be good because, you know, Joe kept to himself a lot. This little six year old boy kept to himself a lot. You know, they're the same age, they both can't really hurt each other. It'd be good. So, you know, they're actually really getting along. You know, nurses are watching over them. They're not fighting. They're not really talking. They're just like, oh, whatever. Like, oh, you know, he's he. I'm me, you know. And in the middle of the night, they hear screaming again. And they run to the room. And warning for everyone who's listening, trigger warning. This might be uncomfortable. Joe is sexually assaulting the six-year-old boy the same way, exact way his dad did. Furthering the boy's PTSD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Like, how, how did he know? So. I feel like I'm watching a movie, you know? <laughs> so they, they take Joe out immediately, you know? And they're like, we can't give him any roommates whatsoever. Doesn't matter how thin the budget gets. Find the money. Keep this kid away from everybody. And that's all I remember (laughs) and I think that's all he read so oh no there's more so finally no they move him into another room the different roommate after the six-year-old this poor six-year-old but yeah they move him into another one it's this really buff guy again um who no it was a teenager like a teenager who was pretty buff as well who could hold his own like if if the 10 year old tried to attack him he could just like you know kill him you know like you know he could beat him up you know and be like so so joe can't hurt him you know Joni said no like you can't like mess with this boy so you know he's a teenage meth addict okay so this teenager you know I think it was like, you know, they've been in a roommate together for either a couple of weeks or a couple of months. And it was like, it was fine. But suddenly one night, you know, like what they were doing every night is they were strapping leather straps down on Joe and the boy because they didn't want them attacking each other at the night because the nurses couldn't watch them at the night. So they strapped them down in the bed every single night. And then one day, the next morning, they walked into the room and the teenage boy, had chewed the leather straps out, escaped the bed, somehow got the iron bars off the window, and jumped out and killed himself. So they were like, Joe must have said something really bad to freak this kid out to the the point where he killed himself by chewing his way out. So, you know... They're like, um, there's this officer, like, and they decided, like, okay, so this officer, they're gonna have him, you know, stay the night with Joe, with a tape recorder, see if Joe says anything really tough to, like, scare the officer or anything. You know, this guy can hold his own. He's ginormous, okay, massively buff, could step on this boy, so, you know he's sleeping in the bed of course there's no leather restraints but there's leather restraints for joe Mm -hmm. so this man's like i am not scared of this 10 year old comes with this tape recorder and lies down and then suddenly he comes running out of the room in the middle of the night having a a full-blown panic attack like this kid is saying whispering i don't like and like you know they're they're in a room and they're far apart like if If he was whispering, it had to be pretty loud. So they listen to the tape recorder, and they don't hear Joe whispering at all. They just hear Fred, the the guard, have a panic attack, and then running out. Like, this man is having a full-blown panic attack. (sighs) And he's freaking out. He's like, And then they send him home. They're like, it's okay, Fred. You can go home. It's fine. So he goes home, and, you know, never heard of him again. Eh. But, like, you know, as in, like, he never came back. He was like, screw that. But um so yeah you know they were like i don't know what's going on maybe all this information that like he's a crazy person got to fred's head and he got a panic attack in the room but we need to just never let this kid have roommates ever again because he's dangerous and the file said nothing else so he just wandered right back upstairs and you know he would go home and and his fiance would be like oh my god like what am I a chopped liver and he'd be like you know you know I'm thinking too much about this case you know i like having trouble with this case so act like his case like it's a criminal case but it's like such a patient but anyway um so he goes back and he decides to talk to his his boss Bruce to get Joe as a patient you know
2: mm-hmm.
3: oh wait no right before he did that he went back to work to like see you know just he went back to work whatever um and Nessie, the nurse who was giving Joe medicine, right? Mm-hmm. He shows up to the hospital and there are police cars and ambulances everywhere. And they see a body being brought into the into the ambulance. And he's like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's happening? Like what happened? Did someone die? And they're like, Nessie is dead. Nessie had given, mm-hmm. Nessie <laughs> given medicine to all the patients last patient was joe then she walked on out walked to the top of the building jumped off and killed herself so you know he's like i need to take the patient like i need to take it now but he couldn't mention joe for a couple weeks because the police were like trying to figure out who did this you know you know was it like actually suicide or did a patient push her off like what happened so after that all died down you know, he decided to go to Bruce and ask for, like, Joe. He would be like, he put in a letter. He was like, you know, Nessie died, so, like, I'm here to pick up the slack. Here's a bunch of patients I can take on. And Joe was a name on there. So, you know, he gets patient, and Bruce was like, if you, you're lucky I'm not gonna fire you right now, because if you ever mention the name one more time, I'm gonna kill you. Okay? Like, you cannot take on Joe. And then, you know, Rose walks in, the director, and is like, get out. And then Bruce is like, looked back to the kid and he's like you're about to screw up everything like you were doing so good here and then he walked out and Parker's like W-w-w. um so you know Rose was like do you even know anything about Joe is that et, et cetera? do you even know anything he was like I she was like I was Joe's doctor you know I survived Thomas was like my like Thomas was her boss before he left he was like Thomas was Joe's doctor and you know and he survived and you know you know we're lucky to tell you it's like I only committed suicide okay like you don't want Joe. And then finally, it's like, you know, whatever. Have you spoken to him? Why don't you go speak to him then? You can. Who's stopping you? You have a key to his door. Like, go ahead and take him on. But then she, of course, gives him the rest of the file. And the file is just, like, really weird. You know, it has all the rest of the stuff. Pretty short. You know, he was like, well, "It's a thick, but, like, there was no specific events that people talked about. You know, there was a lot of diagnosis of, like, that he's a sociopath um, and all this. Um, so he goes to talk to Joe, he unlocks the door, and he said it was very underwhelming. He he expected to walk into the room, smell urine, smell blood, have blood on the walls, writing, scratches, but no, it was a very normal room with a frail-looking man sitting at a desk, and he walked in, and he said, hi, Joe, and Joe turned and said, you're young, and he was like, well, is that, like, a bad thing, like? And then he was like, No, but I mean, I guess you must have done something real bad to get here. And he was like, kinda of weird. It was like it wasn't scary. It was just like, you know, like Joe's making a joke about it, about how he knew that everyone was scared and no one was allowed near him. So he was kind of poking fun at Parker, like, Wow, you must have done something bad to get here. Like she only she was like, and then she was like, That curse word here. She said, that bitch doesn't assign anyone here unless they've done something bad and she wants to fire them and he was like who and she was he was like that bitch rose and you know they end up meeting for like a couple months and he's just like and then joe's like a normal dude you know he's not acting sociopathic the way he reacts to things like he's like he's like i have brain for this i could notice the smallest thing in, for sociopaths and it's just not something like he's just not showing any sign whatsoever like sociopaths can't fake these certain things like things like he had seen a lot of sociopaths and if like like during their talk a bird flew and hit the window and usually when it comes to sociopaths they won't even notice that sort of thing or they'll kind of just be like bird and move on <laughs> And he was like, That, you know, like that kind of that's how they should react. It's hard to fake empathy for a bird that just hit the window immediately like that. But Joe got up, looked down the window, and was like, Where's the bird? And it was like, you know, looking for it, like out the window. He was like, I hope it's okay, you know. So he gets it down. He's really confused. He's like, How, you know, like this guy, the guy, like, I think he's being misdiagnosed, you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And then Joe starts to say, like, yeah, I'm not actually like anything they say. I feel like I'm just a revenue for money here because their parent, his parents were really wealthy and they were giving the hospital money for him. And that was their source of revenue. So he was like, I think they're literally just keeping a sane person here for a source of revenue. You know, like, I don't know why I'm here. I, I mean, I get it, you know. And then they were like, and like all these people are killing themselves. And, like, and he was like, I'm not shocked by it. Like they always end up finding out that, they always end up finding out that I'm sane, and then they like feel really guilty, and then they end up killing themselves. And you know, of course, Joe, uh, not Joe Parker's like whatever, like obviously, like th- this must be a story. But at the same time, he starts telling stories about like a cat, and about how he felt empathy for this cat. You know, so he's really confused about the story. Was like he was in a garden, and he was talking about how his like parents didn't like him. And he was like, yeah, like I was in a garden and I really, really like cats. I've always wanted a cat. And, you know, I saw this stray cat in the garden and I started to feed it every day. And the cat ended up coming back. And, you know, I, you know, I used to read books with the cat and it would just stay near me. But one day, you know, my dad came out and my dad didn't like cats because he was allergic and he was really mean to me. So he came out, he saw the cat and he drop kicked it into the woods and I couldn't help but blame myself that I was the reason that cat got hurt because I was the one who made it not scared of humans it used to be so scared of humans and I stopped that so it's my fault and then my dad started beating me in the garden and my mom was like yelling at my dad like don't like don't do this outside the neighbors are going to see so he punched my mom in the face and gave her a black eye And I noticed that after that, my mom kind of always blamed me for it, that it was my fault that my dad gave her a black eye. So she kind of blamed me for everything. So he made up that story. And Joe's like, "That is, how are you faking empathy towards a cat like that if you're a sociopath? How did he do that so well? And he's like, you know, kind of surprised. So, you know, he ends up after months of talking to Joe, he's like, I'm going to break you out of here you're saying what the hospital is doing. It's messed up. You know, I'm looking at these files, nothing is specific, you know, suddenly like, you know, after having normal conversations with you in the files, you know, Rose and Thomas were like, he's crazy. He's crazy. He's crazy. And without giving specific details, like this is messed up. I need to break you. Out. So he's like, I'm going to break you out. So his plan was, I'm going to leave a co- my coat in your room. And I'm going to leave and pull the fire alarm and, and, you know, all the patients are going to evacuate, but you're going to evacuate out the back and you're going to run away because, you know, I'm giving you this map, you know, it's in the coat. So, you know, it comes to the plan of like, when that's going to happen, right? You know, he's like, okay, you know, it's going to happen today. So he, he comes into the room with the coat, you know? So he leaves the coat in the room. And then as he goes to leave, the door swings open. And there's a buff security guard. There's the bros. And then they're like, what the hell were you trying to do? And they grab him and they like front, like drag him up to the office. And as he's getting dragged up to the office, he's screaming, like, you guys are up, like you're keeping a sane man here for money. Like this hospital is so messed up and all this, you know, yada yada yada. And they get he gets dragged up to the office. They were like, they throw him on the floor. And then in the office is Rose and the retired old officer, doctor, Dr. Thomas, the one who is his, like, you know, his doctor and um, used to be Rose's boss. And, and they're like, what were you trying to do? And he was like, "He was like, I was breaking Joe out. Like you guys are messed up. He was like, how did you find out? Were you guys spying on me? Would you, we was like a nurse spying on me when I was talking to Joe. And they were like, no, Parker, Joe told us. Joe requested to see Rose and so Rose goes in to talk to Joe and Joe tells Rose Parker's whole plan to break him out so you know obviously he's like confused he's like why would Joe do that and they're like because he's not normal (laughs) and then he, he was like please let me keep like talking to him I want to see what happens and then Rose is like look like this is like the story of joe and so of course like a lot of like what, he, what they're saying like he's not believing it he's like what the hell and then rose decides to tell a little story that makes up for the cat story you know how he was like how did he think of all this for a cat you know how did he make up the empathy it was based off a thing that happened with rose So Rose, you know, Rose and him were really getting along. She decided to try this new hypotherapy and it was like really great and working. And, you know, he, you know, he was lovely to all the nurses and everyone was getting along. And then she decided, I'm going to give you a cat. I'm going to give you a cat. And if you can take care of this cat and it's healthy and it's nice and everything's okay for a week, you get to go and you get to hang out with other patients too. No. And then six days pass. And this cat is having the time of its life. He's treating this cat like a queen. It is a great cat. And she runs up to to Dr. Thomas. She's like, I am amazing. This cat worked out. So she skips off to the room and she goes to tell Joe, you can go hang out with other patients. She walks in. She sees a dead cat. Oh, decapitated. Blood everywhere. And then on the walls written out in blood. And Joe's just sitting on the bed watching. On the wall. It's written out, nosy rosy in blood. And so when Rose was young, she was bullied a lot by her classmates using nosy rosy. So she saw, and she was just like, she walked out of the room, went home, and was just devastated. And then she tried to kill herself.
1: The, the, The poor cat.
3: Yeah. So he's like, you know like Parker is just like boom like what and so you know you know he's like I want to try one more thing no I want to figure this out and what Joe was doing is he knew that Parker had this like save all thing and and if Joe is sane and can't be cured and can't be diagnosed Parker's gonna be like what the heck I can't save him I can't diagnose him the only way to save him is to help him escape so we kind of make Parker like a little and it was already getting into Parker's head because you know Parker started hearing this you know his mother scream and cry for him Parker 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 in his head he was really confused because he started hearing his mother scream he was like this must be getting to my head so he goes and visits Joe's parents so he goes to the house, he visits the mom, the dad ended up passing away, so the mom's like, okay, like, this is what happened, it kind of explains the whole story again, and I'm not going to get into it more detailed, because who cares, and, and he's like, can I go see the room, and she's like, well, yeah, you can go see the room, so they walk up to the room, and, you know, he sees this amazing room, you know, this is like, you know, they're rich, okay, and this is the first- room he got where he got to sleep alone in his own room you know so he was really excited about it so he sees the wall that he was talking about what the monster lived inside of it and it's just this really big blank wall and so he's you know examining the room and the is like you know what this room gives me a lot of anxiety and it makes me uncomfortable so i'm gonna leave but just call me if you need anything so he's alone in the room and he notices nothing weird no signs of abuse or anything from the parents because rose and thomas were like well we think he was getting sexually abused by his dad and like all this stuff happened and he's susceptible to to, like um you know if people tell him he's something he becomes that thing you know like you're you're naughty, he becomes naughty you're a monster he becomes a monster you know Mm -hmm. so he notices a little piece of the carpet is frayed up so he peels it back and there's blood and he's like "Uh uh-huh what the heck so he keeps healing back the carpet and there's more and more blood and it gets to the wall and then he just has this feeling and he's like he calls for the mom and he's like can I open this wall and she's like if you think it's going to help my son you can you can do whatever you want so she hands him an axe so he starts banging into the wall repeatedly ripping open this wall he rips open the wall you know what, he, what you know what they see small little skeleton of a boy and the mom starts screaming so they call the police and he rushes back to the hospital because you know they immediately they see the skeleton and they're immediately like that's that's joe that is joe so you know he rushes back to the hospital and runs into joe's room he opens the door and Joe's just standing there staring at him like he knew everything that happened. Staring, standing there like this, just with a crooked little smile, like really small. He's just like, and then is so uneasy by it. He gets this feeling. He's like, I need to check on Jocelyn. I need to go check on Jocelyn right now at home. There's something not right. And he has this feeling. He's like, I have to go. So he runs, he runs out of the room. He doesn't say a word to Joe. He gets in his car. and He drives home to Jocelyn. And she's fine. She's okay. And then he's ready to go back to the hospital when he gets a call that the first two floors of the hospital got flooded because of, like, a technological malfunction. The entire thing got flooded. And Joe escaped. No. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, there were weird things. He couldn't get a hold of Rose for weeks. He couldn't talk to Thomas. No one was responding to him. You know, it disappeared. And then one day he gets a call from from Jocelyn from a police station. She had been sexually assaulted outside of a library. And, you know, he rushes over and, you know, and, there, and then, you know, he's freaking out because he's always been on edge. He's thinks Joe's going to come and hurt her. And he thinks Joe had something to do with that. So he's like, we need to move. And he moved different state and Jocelyn is never the same after that she quits getting her doctorate you know she is just not the same she's trying to stay at home all the time she doesn't want to make friends and they're at home and then they get you know they move, they move into, the, into the new house and everything and then and then he realizes Jocelyn just standing there and staring at him with a little crooked smile, exactly the same way Joe did. The end. You're gonna, you're going you're just gonna end it like
2: that. What? <laughs> uh-huh. This
3: feels what like. What was a, a body? <laughs> to be like honest, a- I did like I just went off. I think like. Like, I think I just, like, chose the ending that, like, the YouTuber chose that she made up, because I was just thinking, I was, like, I don't know if I'm gonna end this, because I had one in my mind, but I forgot it, and it's just the end, so I was, like, okay, that's the end. I was gonna, like, change it and, like, make it something, like, a little more interesting, but that's the end now. so have fun with that.
0: That's well, such I'm, a claim
3: I know. I totally see this as, like, an entire
1: movie, like, like, how it's, like, filmed and, like,
3: so long though i was like can we do like long stories you guys like however you want and i was like okay i'll take the entire time
1: (laughs) (laughs) you know that that the story like slowly i don't know there were moments where like it turned into a comedy
3: (laughs) oh yeah (laughs) i don't know but like yeah i wanted to to, like make it more lighthearted at the beginning and talk say it like fun but yeah basically like honestly at the end like as I like, get progressed I always start to tear up a little because I get sad like with the cat and everything
1: <laughs> we tear up at the cat
3: but yeah like so basically oh I forgot one part of the story about how you know how he so he named the cat she, he was like what was the cat's name when like he was telling the story about in the garden he was like oh it's like figureidoo or something like he just it was like a weird name and then Rose was like um, and he named the cat like Big Reduce. So it was like, the same thing and he just made up the story So yeah Oh my god But yeah wild. In, the, in the original book The ending was That like he You know like the monster killed the boy At night And shoved him in the wall Brought him that's back so into the sad. home because his home was the wall Killed the boy and then they shifted into the boy And like that's how everything happened And he was terrorizing and killing everybody by, like, make- making them crazy and making them kill themselves.
2: That's
1: so sad.
3: <sighs> yeah, that's how he knew everything about everyone and stuff, but I like, I like to think of it more as, like, you know, he's just, because I-, I like how it was more of a psychotic thing and, like, you know, he just, like, knows, and, like, everyone's really confused and he's, like, a really good sociopath and he's insane and, like, it's, like, weird and, like, cliffhangery and, yeah. <sighs> So I like to think that as the body was not the boy, but someone else and Joe the evil killer. And I don't know. I think it's more fun that way.
1: You know, when, when you were sharing uh, the cat
3: part, I was like, at this point, just throw the whole kid away.
0: <laughs> throw the whole kid away. Just, <laughs> just
3: mm. get rid of it.
0: Not it worth saving.
3: And like at that time with the cat, he was older now. You know, he wasn't—he mm. hasn't ten his whole life because you know he's older now because mm. he had—he was—he started at six and he was there for over two decades. Yeah. So, You know.
1: Oh. All fun and games. Oh God. All also, fun and games.
3: I have a. Just. He a... was like late twenties or early thirties, but anyway, go on.
1: Just a funny. I don't know. I don't know if it's funny or not. <laughs> you know how he has. Let's
0: see so how funny this can be. <laughs>
1: you know how how what is this joe that's the kid's name yeah yeah yeah. so joe started off with night terrors right and then i was like oh maybe that's how i could have turned out (laughs) i had night terrors as a kid too
3: you are joe oh my god this is (laughs) he (laughs) escaped it
1: was like it was just a funny is it yeah
3: yeah a coincidence Anyway, I didn't change a lot of it because, like, I ended up like after I sped up, like my brain does not not move fast enough to change it. I don't remember what the YouTuber was, and I would love to like figure it out so we could like you know credit it. But um, that's you okay. Know. If we
0: find it, it'll be in the description on our YouTube. Yeah. Yep. So, all
3: right. Honestly, should be very useful. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very hundred percent. Yeah. All
1: that's right.
0: So, fun. with the time that we have left, which should be. We have a little bit of time. We we didn't run for that long. It felt late, but we did not. Um, we should be around, I think around an hour-ish. I think mm-hmm. around. I think it's about the time we have. So I think we can go for another. We can go for a little bit more time.
3: Do you guys believe in ghosts? Oh. Um, do what you Is believe there. in ghosts? Um, yes, actually, I actually do. I didn't for the longest time, but so. Like I don't know why. Like recently, so like, I keep like listening to like, a YouTube channel about like and like paranormal stuff, and I'm like, you know, I'm like i always like whatever ghosts aren't real, but like recently I'm like, why wouldn't they be real? Like I don't know because you know how like in the past like people are like, well, Earth is flat, it can't be round. It's like what if we just don't. just don't have the technology to figure things out yet you know like why not believe Mm -hmm. in ghosts and like with all the things that have happened it's like why not one of them be real you know it could be possible
1: yeah I honestly think that it could definitely be possible but like I just don't think that they're as like evil as
3: um, yeah uh,
1: like movies portray them to be because you know how people say like ghosts are just leftover brainwaves of of like people who are alive,
0: yeah, right.
1: Yeah. I believe that you know maybe there's still like some energy that like people leave behind, but like I don't think they're as
3: they're like literal people.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't
3: think like just... even if they are, not all people are bad. Like why why do ghosts suddenly it's like you become a ghost and you're an evil horrible person? You know what if it's oh, like yeah, a nice yeah. ghost? Like why can't there be nice ghosts? Hmm yeah i mean i'd
0: be pretty upset if i actually no that's a lie i would not be upset if i was a ghost if i was a ghost i would do all the cool ghost stuff like I, yeah, I, I you just get to be an like extra hilarious. human that'd be hilarious but you know what sucks with those, you're easily you're alone yeah, yeah that might mm, that might be one
3: you're yeah. alone i mean i think like no are trying to communicate you. with people i mean there's Maybe a whole ghost, the ghost community stuff. right like you know you have ghost friends yeah but i'm gonna miss people like i'm like i died and i don't get to see anymore i'm just gonna be like i hope y'all die wait no <coughs> no i'm <laughs> just kidding.
0: what uh you just they're taking a walk near the grand canyon and you're haunting them and you're just like
3: die, oh, no, die we could hang
0: we could be ghost buddies you could be ghost buddies you just like trip them or something
3: <laughs> so it's <tough>.
0: it's terrible.
2: <laughs> well
3: like, like one thing that freaks me out like what if i die and i become a ghost and i like die young you know and then like my friend dies old. Like what if they have like old body and I have young body and we have to stay like that forever and they're like a broken down little ghost and they can't do things that I can do because they're broken down and old. I don't Sorry, think old physics people.
1: applies to you when
3: you're a ghost man. And it's weird saying, like now I'm better with really an old that. girl. You
0: just, yeah, you yeah just have to talk to an old person that you vaguely that vaguely remembers you from like, like what
3: if you're like married to seven someone years ago. And, like, what if you're married to someone, and you're, like, in your 20s, and, like, you die, and then, like, your significant other lives till, like, really old, and you're, like, young and old, and I would just be, like, this is kind of weird, but, like, okay. Then you get to
0: look at them and be, like, hmm.
3: I'm the pretty one. So I really one. didn't
0: have to be worried about them, huh? <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay, but what? what if, you, Something like, die, and cool. you, like, like ha- like you like, follow your, like, significant other around, because you guys are married, and then, like, they get with someone else, and you're just sad. <laughs>
0: bro do you that's my villain origin story that's my <laughs> that's my villain origin story i would be like the ghost from like ghost adventures that's like i think it's a demonic presence because it's like scratching people that would be me if that happened to me i'd be so mad i'd be I'd
1: be like furious. how dare you get with someone else
0: i i would haunt them forever <laughs> i would it would be Why are y'all like amazing, this?
3: dude. But well, like, how dare they? Excuse me, how decide?
0: dare they? How dare they?
3: <laughs> like, what if like that we get married and we're like married? What if we're like m- like middle aged people and I die and they live to be really old, you know? And we've been together for years and years and years, and they just. With someone else, Die! It's
0: like, oh, they want me to move on. No, I would not. I don't <laughs> yeah. want you moving on. You cannot okay? move on.
3: You have to. I want you forever. alone or dead.
0: <laughs> don't you try and cheat my on me. Picture, I'm still here.
3: My picture, you best tuck a picture of me in bed every night. You know, you set it up for like, If I do not have a shrine eating, in you you your room. I do not want you anymore. <laughs> my used toothbrush must stay in the bathroom, and you must look at it and be like, Yes, I miss her so much. <laughs> <laughs> <Y'all>. <laughs> okay, so I guess whoever,
1: like, is your spouse in the future needs to keep that in mind. You like, better hope yeah. that I don't yeah.
0: die
3: for you. <laughs> once you're committed, you're committed. You best be committed. If Okay, if, if I was in middle age and my significant other died, I would not give it to anyone else because I've been with them for long. I would feel like I'm betraying them. Like, Wait, that shows, to that shows all the people? To... <laughs> Wait, I feel bad, because, like, what if, like, someone who's, like, literally, like, they're going to die and dying, they got someone else and now they feel guilty? <laughs> yeah, that's nah, uh, yeah. Whatever. I mean, not whatever. Sorry. It's but... not a well, shame, would but
0: know. wouldn't let that happen to me, though.
3: Yeah, like, I would just feel, I don't know. I would, And plus, like, I'm never going to love someone else as much. I've been with since forever
0: you
1: no what if you can have your own ghost love story though maybe <gasps> once
0: yes! you die, that's
3: your YN yeah. moment
0: okay yeah never what mind like, that's sick that's sick haven't
3: you seen like okay okay side note i put my old glasses on i forgot how bad my vision is but anyway what <laughs> if like you know how like there's like the stories are like a ghost appearing in the mirror
0: like bloody oh. mary like, or or if, like
3: okay but like you ghost appears in the mirror and you're like oh my god go i would be like i'd pop up and i'd like pop up to my husband and i'd be like hi and then like if he freaks out then i'll kill him i mean just uh, oh my god you're that's demonic
0: that is demonic
1: <laughs> y'all are gonna get your own like movie if you do that
0: a okay. netflix documentary yeah <laughs> a docu-series
3: but like i i mean i'm just gonna keep popping up and try to make him like not scared and, and like you know we can have a ghost love story i'll just pop him in the mirror and just maybe come out and be like hey, what's up we have some dinner you know
0: it's cute it, is it cheating If you possess somebody and then go on a date with your significant other, but you've possessed them, is that cheating?
1: You have to get consent. You have to get consent first. Yeah, like the- From who?
0: From the person you're possessing?
1: Yeah, like you have to come up and be like, yo, can I just- When has a
0: ghost ever popped up in front of someone's like, oh, can I possess you real quick? No, no. it has to be- They just do it.
3: What? Yeah, I would just possess someone. (laughs) I I would just do it
0: what, you what if you would possess like dwayne johnson that'd be so sick that'd be so know, right? possess the rock i would do so many things that'd be hilarious <laughs> i would like punch a wall and be like wow i did not feel that that's amazing
3: like, <laughs> like if i'm gonna possess someone to go on a date i'm just gonna possess someone i'm gonna like you know it's great you know they get free dinner okay be a free dinner and then i just yeah. let them back to their house and they can have a like a good little sleep and they're like and then they wake up and they're like wow you know why?" do i suddenly feel like i had a great meal last night because you did
1: what if like you died alone and then you you would like possess the person that like your crush likes i don't know do you know what i'm saying like if you die alone and then you like someone right and but the person you like already has another significant other would you like possess that significant other just so to we're the, like, where are the messed up ones
3: that's weird We're the
0: messed up that's, one. that's weird. That's kinda of, that's yikes. No, I'm just, yikes.
3: Well you just, just you know, gone. like you die alone and you're like the, your crush like never liked you and he's into someone else. So like why don't you just possess them? No, no, and no, then he'll love you.
1: I would never do that. I I never said I would <laughs> do that. <I> am on, <laughs> I'm just trying to match mm-hmm. you guys. Okay? You're the
0: only, you are the only person costumes. who that thought came to, Hillary. It seems. It's I would okay. never Wear anything. it on your sleeve, all right? I wouldn't oh. do
3: that because. You'll suck. Like, I don't have a
0: crush. Oh. <laughs> so if you did, then it'd be a different story.
3: <laughs> yeah, but if you did. No, because you're dead already. Like, you don't want to leave with regrets, right? I'm I not like saying I would, I would do like, it. I mean, I guess I could just find, like, a really hot guy. Go- i kidding, anyway. A <laughs> um, hot ghost? Like, yeah. I mean, what, like, well, I mean, like, I wouldn't... Okay, like, I have a boyfriend, you know? And if uh-huh. I died, and, like, he got with someone else, I wouldn't, like, possess her. I'd probably possess him to die, <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, you gotta heart there. the house. You gotta you gotta insidious that house. Wait, no, no, insidious is the other dimension one. No, your, your sinister uh, listening to this. That's sinister.
3: I know, right? You, <laughs> listen to all of them. you got it,
0: the conjuring that's how that's what it was. You got it, the conjuring that house.
3: Yeah, sorry. Um at my boyfriend right now, because you're definitely gonna listen to this. If I died and I became a ghost and I saw you get with someone else, I would possess you and I would possess you to kill yourself, and then we could be ghosts together, and then we could like haunt that girl because I hate her. That is, damn.
0: That is, wow. That's respectable. I respect.
1: You're bold. You've been bold. You know? I don't, I, maybe I'll cut that out.
0: Yo. He's
2: going to be like, what, the...
1: yo, what
0: if you Yo, like, kind of what if you possess Jeff Bezos and you just bought like a country or something?
1: Oh my God. I would totally possess a rich person just like for one day. Yeah. Just let me live that.
0: I possess like <laughs> you possess like an artist that you've been waiting on them to like drop music forever, <laughs> and just be like, "I'm going into the archives. We're finally dropping this." Possess Kanye West to get him to drop you <laughs> God, y'all! I knew you
1: were. Anyway, you knew you
0: knew where the, exactly where that yeah. was going. You knew where that was going. I knew it was going to go to Kanye. You pos- <laughs> know, uh, you possess. You have to possess a famous person and just have them do something really weird. Not something really bad, but really weird. So that's the only thing people will ever report about them, like ever again. Like, oh, you're going to hey. help
1: make someone famous?
0: No, no. It'd be like, oh, hey, um, Mark Wahlberg uh, cuts open the bottom of his water bottles and sips it like a cup instead of screwing open the cap. Like, that's the only, like, that's just. That's so weird. Really I to tell- <gasps> I'm going to it. Tell- exactly- <laughs> I don't know where that thought came from. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> Like imagine, imagine how like blown away people would be to see like Mark Wahlberg in public, like cheersing people with an open water bottle with a pun of cut.
3: <laughs> I would honestly probably hit him up right there and just be like, "Okay, let's get right out." I don't know.
1: You know what would be really fun to do though what? is play matchmaker with my living friends, or like, like this is my time, like, like i'm gonna you would pos
0: w- would you possess somebody and like at what 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 would you do i don't know i don't would know would you what- possess your friends and get them to say the right thing or like would you possess the other person
1: oh know? yeah i would totally but what, possess but what happens
0: when you unpossess them
1: i would totally like fix up their life a little you know <laughs> let this be, be known to
0: all of hillary's friends <laughs> she would control your life and take your free will from you <laughs> to make your life better in her eyes that's
2: some like
1: fascist type. Yes,
0: <laughs> yes, it is.
1: It is not my friend. Hillary, know. that
0: is exactly what you are saying. I I hope you realize that we're half joking, but that's exactly what it sounds like.
1: <laughs> my friends know that it's a joke. And anyways, if if I choose the right person, for, I'll take requests. It would you know, I'll take requests. It. My friends, it would work
3: can write it down they be like Hillary. I know you're watching. Please, yeah. They gotta pray to me, and I'll make it happen.
0: Burn okay, all like, their god now. You know
3: how like ghosts? You know
0: they can like go through
3: walls and doors and stuff, and like they can like do whatever. You know mm-hmm. what? Okay, weird. What if like we literally have ghosts like all around? But like, if you think about it, that it's like, oh, what if they want to take a shower? <laughs> Like I don't know. I'm just thinking about that because, like, I was like, you know, I'm gonna follow around <laughs> someone for the rest of their life and, like, you know, have some fun. But then I'm like, <gasps> but taking a shower, I'll just have to sit and sit outside and like waiting. But like, I'm like, what if other ghosts just don't wait outside?
0: You know? I mean, they can't wait outside the doors. They just walk through it.
3: Yeah, but like, what they if just they just stay? Out- like, what if they just chill outside? Because you know, they're respectful. They're like, I will respect your privacy, but at the same time. They're like, whatever, I'm going to go.
0: Nobody is it's going like, to stop you. Nobody.
3: It's like, don't. Honestly.
1: I, I don't know if he's cute.
0: Whoa, whoa, <laughs> Hillary. Hillary, choose your next oh, words. No. Very, very careful. I'm
1: cutting that out. Yeah, no, nope, leave it out. in. Leave it in. Leave nope. it in. This is exposing me. No.
0: You I mean, expose yourself, cute. Hillary.
3: I mean, I if, mean if he's cute, then what the fuck? I mean, if it's I mean... if it's
0: my K-pop idol, then uh, <laughs> I guess.
3: <laughs> don't,
0: I don't no
1: no no. We're not gonna so make this about K-pop idols. That that's, that's weird. But basically, I was watching this anime when I was <laughs> I was going up. You know these magical girl animes, but like yeah. this girl, she got two like ghost guardian angel type of type of stuff. It's, oh, so painful. And once a guy, once a girl, right? But the guy garden angel, angel fell in love with the human. But then the guy's partner actually still likes him. And then, oh, that's it. My entire heart shattered. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that went, but... um,
0: Not sure where that came from, but you know what? It's appreciated. I, you know what? It's appreciated.
3: Wait, I think that goes... Was it... I don't know. But honestly, but like, yeah, go on.
1: Yeah, my friends could request like which guy they want, and then I'll make all the ends meet, you know? Maybe I'll like, I don't know. It's fate. I don't know. what, And then get them to meet or something like that.
0: Which is oh! like, I would just do funny stuff to make people like slip on banana peels or something. I got, like, it. Just, just got it.
1: I would possess got it. the teacher and put my friend and their crush in the same group.
3: I would possess my friend's t-shirts to, like... Give them all A's. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm being I would give them some A's, you know?
0: I would be the coolest ghost friend ever. I would just hook people up with all the stuff, like, oh, hey, yo, let me just, like, levitate this, like, rich dude's wallet out of his pocket. Oh, there's his credit
2: card. (laughs) It's called eating the rich. Whoops.
3: But, like, yeah, I mean, I feel like... I mean, if I hated someone, I feel like I'd try to make their life miserable. I mean, no, I wouldn't. But I would.
0: You wouldn't like for a while, but then you like know, after I just, a, like, while, have a little bit of fun with it.
3: Like I would like take their phone and hide it in a really weird place and get have them get really frustrated. I would like hide their glasses, you know, because when I can't have my glasses, I because my siblings used to like literally take my glasses when like they were mad at me and I would get so mad because I literally cannot see.
0: My glasses. I can't see without my glasses. <laughs> <They're> so evil. <laughs> <laughs>
3: So like I yeah, would, I feel like I just make their life like difficult.
0: I would take their phone out of like their pocket while they're sitting down or something, and just like repeatedly enter the passwords that locks for the whole day.
3: Yes. <laughs> so randomly they so pull funny. it up and they're that like, so "How
0: oh, did this happen?" Then <laughs> it enters so many passwords. And <laughs> no, I would change their passwords. I would like possess their phone and change their passwords.
3: Yes like crack into it you're a ghost you know do whatever you want yeah you who's gonna
0: stop you
1: haunting like a castle in like i don't know europe and like you're just having like a, a party because there, like be there. there must be a lot of ghosts there must be like just like grand brick and like
3: you just party with the ghosts there wouldn't that be
0: that'd be dope
1: that'd be
3: dope yo i don't want to like find dead people you know like dead people that like, i wanted to meet like my i would find, could, like, find ronald my Reagan and
0: beat him <laughs> oh, we just went completely different directions <laughs> we just went like you went like oh i would find my grandpa i would be like yo, i would find ronald reagan and just beat him
3: i would I, kind of <laughs> like you know like like i kind of want to find the serial killers that died you know and be like, like yeah zodiac so, like, and stuff like you like even like like Ted Pony like I want to like like I want to just be like so why you
2: know
3: like yeah. just why like you can't hurt me because I'm like a ghost and you're a ghost yeah. too, so you can't hurt me but let's just figure this out and maybe I'll scare you a little bit because I'm a little quirky right.
0: <laughs> <Bunny's the epitome laughs> of kind of Ted quirky Bundy. though <laughs> I don't know you gotta t- like that would, that would be interesting i would yeah, i would I'd solve mysteries from like beyond the grave i'd be like yo who is jack the river who who really oh was God. zodiac who was You're Zodiac?" Right. i would solve mysteries and then write it down like like possessing a detective's like body that'd be sick You're like, right. because, I, like i would solve no one's zodiac ever gonna
1: know these people like who they are
0: yeah yeah so you just possess from like beyond the grave or something dude that'd be a great buddy cop show that definitely exists already like 100 it already exists like where like it's a ghost and like a person and they're like cops and they're like solve mysteries that has to exist there's no way it doesn't
1: this is good we're coming up with like movie plots at all
0: that'd be sick that'd be dope but like i would definitely solve like the zodiac or like flight 370 or something i would solve all the mysteries and stuff like that like what like the Nobody flight. would ever know without you. Like, why is a ghost not done this before? I'm upset at them. I'll fight them. I'll fight I'll fight them beyond the grave.
1: I always wonder if there's some like ghost rules. Because like, you know how you joke with family, like, oh, if I die, I'll visit you in your dreams. But like, yeah, that doesn't really ever happen. Maybe there's like rules to how people communicate.
0: Like a like a cocoa type thing, where it's like you can only come like one day a year or something, or like what you mean? Maybe. Like, like rules. I don't know. Or, like,
1: but there must be rules you know or else like this world would probably wreak havoc
0: like I if there are no rules for me as a ghost I would do a lot of hilarious oh stuff. no
1: we've already I would do a
0: lot this. of hilarious don't
1: stuff. let jack
0: that would be anarchy. so fun that would be so funny To be so I would levitate like a brick off of like something important and just like a swimming pool just like floods all over a deck I don't know what it is about swimming pools being drained as <laughs> like property that's so funny but it's so funny it's so funny for what no is reason.
1: That is an oddly specific, like...
0: It's so, like... Because there's so much water. And it's not even, like, from a river or something. It's just from a pool. It doesn't make sense, but it's funny. I don't know. I just, like... I would like to do stuff as a ghost. Like, that would be... That would be fun to do stuff that you just could not possibly do. Like, I would... I would do trickster stuff that wouldn't, like, hurt anybody, but would just be really funny. Like, I would... Oh, yeah. I would constantly untie somebody's shoes to the point that you just can't tie them anymore. Like, you just have to accept it. But then I would leave, and then they would be so unsure if they could tie their shoes or not. They just never would, even though I'm not even there anymore.
1: Do you think- I don't know how
0: that would make sense, but that'd be fucking...
1: <laughs> I just got a thought pop up in my head. Do you think we can meet gods? Like, plural? Like, I don't know, like, the Greek gods are, like, when we're ghosts?
0: That'd be the coolest shit ever. Don't they like, <laughs> speaking in theory, don't they have like their own like planes of existence that are not this one? I, like, I'm not gonna I'm, not gonna I'm not gonna take- roll I don't know. Like I wouldn't roll up and see on the corner works. just like Jesus just like sitting on the corner, <laughs> just like, hey, what's good, man? Or like <laughs> just roll around the corner and just see Zeus just like post it up and like Louis Vuitton or something. No, no. Like I wouldn't see that i don't know like yeah maybe, like, maybe right. you can travel between planes i would
1: maybe. have yeah. to go to like what is it olympus is, is that where i don't know <laughs>
0: yeah yeah mount olympus
1: mount yeah. olympus yeah to see the gods right
0: right just kind of roll up like hey what's up
3: <laughs> yeah that would be super freaking cool yeah i don't even know what i would do i'd probably be like lightning bolt me
0: Yo, try and lightning bolt me and see what happens, bro. See what happens, see what happens. Nothing happened. I would, <laughs> not, I would bait that dude. That my would, mind went an
1: entirely different way.
0: Yo, Why? Hillary, you gotta chill. Hillary, you I gotta see chill. You. I saw that expression. You gotta chill. <laughs> no. You gotta chill. Yo, yo, what, we're gonna move on going? now. What? I'm yo.
2: curious. I'm no. curious. No,
0: what no. do you think? We're not doing this right now, <laughs> Hillary. It is.
2: So It's not even
0: five o'clock. <laughs> it is not even five o'clock yet. Wattpad? Not not that time.
1: Like we are. We are. I don't know. <laughs> Play around. Fall in love with the god. Become like another god. There you go.
0: Sure, okay. that's the direction you were going. All right. Yeah. It yeah.
1: was. That's like Purely <laughs> just mm.
0: that. Uh huh. Uh
2: mm-hmm. huh. I
1: know. I, I know what you're thinking. I my mind never went there until you were like, mm-hmm.
0: Hillary. We saw your expression. We know that's exactly where your ex. That's we know that's where your thoughts <gasps> were. You gotta Hillary chill. X. Hillary X Poseidon. Uh, don't don't say that. Don't I'm say. that.
3: <laughs> what did she say? I said Hillary
0: X. Hillary She's... X Poseidon.
1: No. No. No,
0: <laughs> not Poseidon. No, not Poseidon. I like Poseidon. you so, so, said that like, oh, not Poseidon, but,
1: like <laughs> but...
2: but... oh my.
1: moving
0: no, got... <laughs> Okay, man, on. moving on. Yo, yo, let's move on from here. Let's move on. This is about to get to a conversation that none of us wants to
2: <laughs>
1: just let's just topic.
0: move on right now
2: great.
0: we will just no Moving no on. you can't escape this we caught you in 4k we're just gonna move on and <laughs> pretend that did not happen but that has to stay all right so i think i think we've gone on for a while do you want to start wrapping it up or yeah i think um
1: they're, they're done listening to us um Talk about this one a stuff. very different
0: direction than our nightmare on Christmas nightmare yeah. for Christmas theme, but you know what? Whatever no, I really you tried
1: to, making this creepy, but I think it turned into comedy at the end.
3: Yeah, and yeah, I yeah, mean, we, I we like can't, we stories can't, stories. we can't keep
0: serious for too long.
3: I think, I think our stories are spooky-ish.
1: We hope you like them.
3: Yeah. yeah,
0: for sure. Yeah, I think we just could not keep that serious for that long. <laughs> All right. yeah. Well, thank you for coming out to Sincerely Strangers. We're going to wrap up here and we'll roll the outro in just a second. Uh, thank you for coming and you can join us next week for our extra special Christmas episode mm-hmm. with all Yay. four of us. So, yeah. now everyone say bye. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Cue the outro that I will probably record tonight or tomorrow. All right. Cut. Yay! Oh, alright. Thank you all for listening today. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel and comment topic suggestions. Follow us on Instagram at Sincerely Strangers and tune in next week for our Christmas special with all four of us. We have a lot of special things planned. See you next time. Sincerely, Strangers.